producer. This is one of those producerless weeks, so buckle up, friends. It's about to get real. Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the gift of your word. We give you thanks for this opportunity to hear from you across time and space. Loving God, may we have open ears and open minds for you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Good evening, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Scripture Talk. I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me as ever, Sister Brandy Dudley. Pastor Scott Ketchup. And we are here to do, you know, theoretically uh, what we advertise to do. We're here to talk about Scripture. Um, the costumes will make sense in time. Um it, it is. It, we are. It is not Halloween. We will do an episode. Presumably, we will do an episode of the week of Halloween, um, and watch we'll you do an episode the day after Halloween. Um, as oh, the way it is on a Sunday it, this year. It's Halloween's yeah. on a Sunday this year. <laughs> so Fall Fest is on October thirty first from six to eight p.m., uh, which is a Sunday. So uh, some of us are going to have like a sixteen hour day. Uh, but it'll be uh, Fall Fest is always just an amazing thing. Um, but no, so this is not Halloween. Uh, we're going to uh, be reading a story uh, from the book of Esther. Um, the kind of climax of the Esther story, and um, and then as we go along, we'll explain to you why we're wearing costumes. It all, it actually, ma- it is all connected. It actually makes sense. How this hat is staying on, if you're watching the video version, does not quite make sense. Um, but it, because I, I have to wear my headphones because I have to hear what's happening. Anyways, so it's a cup. It's a few selections from Esther because this is one of those like we could just read three straight chapters, but it's really hard to like stand up in front of a congregation and read three straight chapters of a book. We've done whole chapters before, but that's kind of my limit. Um, <laughs> and so we've got two selections from chapter seven, um, and then a very short selection from chapter nine, just to like piece together enough of a story to preach on. Anyways. It is Esther chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, uh, and then also verses 9 through 10 of chapter 7, and then chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. So the king and Haman went, went to the feast with Queen Esther. On the second day, as they were drinking wine, the queen excuse me, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And... What is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther Esther answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people. That is my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been merely sold as slaves, men and women, I would have held my peace. But no enemy can compensate for this damage to the king. Then King as I always get this wrong, Azurius, we're going to just go with that, uh, said to Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he? Who has presumed to do this? Esther said, A foe and enemy. This wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Then Harbana, one of the eunuchs in attendance to the king, said, Look, the very gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word, sa- whose word saved the king, stands at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the <laughs> king said, Hang him on that. So, that they, so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. This is very much a hoisted on your own petard kind of thing. Then the anger of the king abated. Mordecai recorded these things, 
and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the promises of King Azarias's, both near and far, enjoining them they should keep the 14th day of the month of Adar, and also the 15th day of the same month, year by year, as the days on which the, Jew, the Jews gained relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned excuse me, as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make, make them days of feasting and gladness, days of sending gifts of food to one another and presents to the poor. Okay, so this is part of why we are wearing costumes. So that holiday that is laid out here um, in the, the chapters, the chapter nine bits, the, the 20 through 22, is the Jewish holiday of Purim, Purim. Um, which, is, uh, which is a real holiday, still exists, honors, the, uh, honors Esther. And one of the traditions in Purim is you wear costumes. It is a costume party, um, in part because Esther is undercover, um, but also in part that the whole message of Purim, and then really this gets at the, like, the whole message of what's happening in Esther mm -hmm. isn't just about like this brave lady, although it certainly is about this brave lady, um, her or cool uncle Mordecai, um, or even the people were safe. Were safe. There's a theology to Esther that you miss if you just kind of read it as a story. God is not a character in the Book of Esther, right? It's not that it's not that it's a book that isn't about God. We, I'm not saying throw it out of Scripture. Um, what I'm saying is. God's not a character. It's a book of the Bible where God's not a character. And so where the holiday of Purim and where Jewish readers of the text forever have picked up on this idea that uh, the book of Esther is about God in hidden places. And so hence the, also hence the costumes, right? Um, God in hidden places. God's right in front of you, but you don't necessarily see it. It's not obvious how God is working through the book of Esther, but we believe, and it ends up in scripture, because we believe that God is at work in the book of Esther. And so mm -hmm. what the book of Esther ends up being is this really super realistic depiction of how God moves in the world, that God moves in ways we cannot see. And yet somehow God's will is done, yet somehow God's people are saved, yet somehow the right people step up at the right times, the right... Mordecai finds the right words for Esther. Esther finds mm -hmm. the right words for the king. The king's heart was right, right. The whole plan comes together somehow. Now, we know how, right? It's God's spirit. But that's never said explicitly in the book of Esther. And so the whole idea of Burim is it's God in hidden places that are also happen to be right in front of you. And, and it, it plays out through uh, Esther's ability to overcome her own fears and trepidation. Uh, so you you definitely see God giving her the strength. You see her taking time to do things like when you go through the whole story, fasting yeah, before yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You see lots of prayer, lots of seeking God. And, and I think that's one of the great things about why this is such an awesome story. Um, there's a lot of stories where you see the grandiose working of God and visibly right. large, huge miracles, awesome. uh -huh. yeah. which is he does and is awesome. But oftentimes in the normal day-to-day, -day, it's more like how Esther plays out. It's seeing God utilize our own strength, seeing God help us without there necessarily being the burning bush or the flame and the cloud that's leading us, but that doesn't make it any less miraculous or any less God's power. And then we can't do it on our own things in life anyway. Like you said, the prayer and the fasting, she prepared Right, herself to go into mm -hmm. the king because if she went in wrong, it would have went wrong all the way around. But God had her ready to go in and gave her the right words and so forth to 
to bring victory to herself and to her people. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, there's a cultural aspect that is totally lost on us. I cannot imagine my wife being afraid to come see me about something. But in that culture, no one, even the wife, could not just go into the king's presence. And and, and that's played out in the story. She talks about that if he doesn't extend out the scepter, she'll be killed for just barging in on the king. Right, and so she comes up with it. And and so I I don't want to take... We've talked about Esther before, and I don't ever want to take credit away from Esther. Esther's really like part of what's happening here is Esther is really smart. Esther, God has put Esther in the right place. I think the last time we talked about Esther, we did Esther chapter four. Um, Perhaps you're made for such a time as this, right? Which is Mordecai. Mordecai takes on the role of prophet, but Mordecai's not officially a prophet, but Mordecai just ends up speaking for God the way often other people in your life just kind of end up speaking for God. And Esther is able to hear it, and Esther is the right person in the right place at the right time that she can cook up this plan, right? Yeah. That God has placed her where she needs to be. And she comes gets there through ridiculous circumstances, right? Of basically a reality TV show seeking the ne- you know, uh, who wants to be the next uh, queen of, you know, it wherever. Was, it was the... Uh, bachelorette. Yes, I was about to say, it was the bach- <laughs> bachelorette of the ancient world. Right, it's, it's you know, it's, you know, who's the most beautiful, you know, it has a fa- literally a fairy tale beginning, right? Who's the most beautiful? Esther finds her way in this good Jewish girl with her wonderful Jewish uncle Mordecai. And so she's she's placed strategically. Mordecai has the right words. She's do something super gutsy still and super intelligent, right? It, it you know, she does like her looks are certainly a part of the story, but she's mm-hmm. more than you know, I've said this but as before, but like she's more than just a pretty face. She is the like this faithful, intelligent person who understands how to use all the tools um, available to her to accomplish God's purpose, even if God is not a character, even if there isn't an official prophet who is designated, this person speaks for God, right? A lot of the Old Testament is driven, even if God doesn't show up, God's official messenger, one way or another, shows up. You know, how do we know King David did wrong uh, when uh, he hangs out with Bathsheba, right? The prophet of the Lord calls David to account. Yeah. Yeah. how do we know we're not supposed to, uh, you know, uh, uh, build golden idols? Well, the prophet of the Lord, Moses, comes down and smashes a whole bunch of stuff, yeah. right? A lot of times, even if God doesn't show up, there is officialdom. There is things that designate this is correct, and none of that exists in Esther. None of it. There's a, like I said, there's a lot of this aspect that, is very similar to what goes on in our own political realm. Yeah. You have the trusted advisor who's being very manipulative off to the side and in some ways uh, dupes the king. Uh, you have God not just positioning Esther, but Mordecai himself is also positioned in a good spot that he actually had saved the king's life. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so you have these this backstory of why the king should be opposed to this. And so Haman kind of is doing this underhand of not really letting him know who he's trying to kill and is not aware of the fact that Mordecai and Esther are related or he had definitely would right. have gone about it in a different manner. Or he just would have killed Esther first, right? Right, yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. Haman does not seem to have a whole lot of morals here. He probably no. would have just killed Esther first. and, and like, Which kind of plays into why Esther uh, does what she does. And sorry, I didn't mean to... No, no you're fine, please. Does what she does as far as the dinners you know she doesn't just come out and say oh it's him she 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 builds this anticipation she lets it come up to the place where when she drops the bomb 
it's on both the king and Haman at the same time right. of them to figure out what's going on. No, there's re- I mean, there's really deep strategy at play here, right? <clears throat> she structures this whole thing exactly right. It's not even on the first day of the feast, right? It's on the second day of the feast. Right. Um, and it is, she is building, she, she understands, even though she has not been a queen for very long, she understands how the king works, she lays the ground, she's strategically laying a trap. Mm-hmm. All because God is moving behind the scenes, working in Esther, working in Mordecai, allowing the plans to come together so that when the trap is sprung, the people are saved. Um, and the king, you know, allow, you know, this is one of those, Esther is, is tremendous at using the weight of her opponent against her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything, anything you want, even half my kingdom. Well, I don't, I don't want nearly anything like that. I don't need anything so much as half your kingdom. All I need is my life. Your life? What? Your life is at risk? Yeah, you're going to kill me. Threaten the queen. You're going to kill me really (laughs) soon, apparently. I mean, Haman's head probably got big for the past two days because he's thinking the feast is for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is all for me, and I'm just so happy and everything. But and, and he'd been planning on this. I mean, he had oh, like those gallows yeah, built. Yeah. That, uh, no, I can't remember. It was is a cubit the one that's like from your elbow to the I think wrist? so. Uh-huh. Yeah, so fifty. So we're talking about it's 50 fairly big. Feet. That's a big thing. So let's just even go with feet. Fifty feet. Yeah, it's that's not a big deal. And yeah, uh, some good comments going on. Uh, you know, she's building up. Joe saying she builds up trust in the king. Um. Uh, they also said how beautiful you look in your mask earlier on, Brandy. Oh, thank you. Uh, Jeannie said using the right tools right, for yeah, the exactly. right yeah, job. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, yeah. right. And so, but Esther is still put at the test, right? And we know this is the end of the story because I think it is. It shows Esther overcoming that thing. But, you know, her life is at risk. Um, she doesn't know when she enacts this plan that it's going to work. And yet... She has enough uh, conviction that something needs to happen, right? Even if her plan, she doesn't know if her plan's going to work or not. She's laid the groundwork. It's a pretty darn good plan. But she doesn't know, right? And if it doesn't work, she could get killed. And even if she is able to be heard by the king, if this plan doesn't work, she should get killed. A thing that Mordecai at some point reminds her. is like, look, Esther, um, I know you're kind of hesitant about this because it's scary, but like, if this plan doesn't work, you're dead too. (laughs) That's fine. If I perish, I perish. I perish, I perish. Uh, But but that's after she's made the decision, right? But there is this like prod from Mordecai of like, you know you can't just like hang out in the palace. You think you're safe, but you're not. Like if this plan, if something doesn't happen, you're going to get killed too. And so she, but... Even, even, again, part of the realism here, there is this hesitancy. Mm-hmm. It is not just immediately, you know, uh, oh, my people are going to die. I must do it. There's this interesting kind of really important back and forth between Esther and Mordecai and Mordecai and Esther sending these messages as Mordecai kind of plays the role of prophet, plays the role of, hey, something needs to be done here. You're the person to do it. Are you going to rise to this occasion? And... Esther does the test, you know, and this is something we all will face, maybe not to this scale, right, of, you know, kings and queens and feasts and all of our people dying. But all of us are put in some sort of position for some sort of reason. We're in a workplace. We're in a family. We're in a town. We're in a community. All of us have skills. Maybe our skill set is different than Esther's, but we all have skills. And 
We're people with skills. We're people who live in places. And often there are things that need to happen. And some of them might require guts. And some of them um, might end up us facing consequences. And so often the question for Christian living is when those opportunities arise, when you are in the right place at the right time, when you have the right skill set, will you make, will you do the thing that's risky for the sake of God's kingdom? Yeah. And um, in this story, it's being, like you said, I like how you pointed out about Haman playing the role of the prophet. Because or Mordecai. Mordecai. Mordecai, I mean. Yeah, Mordecai. To me, I, I was No, I was reading, I was reading the comment, as I said, uh, Joe was pointing out that in the uh, retelling of it, every time Haman's name is mentioned, uh, they, they have noisemakers, or they boo and, and all that when they retell the story during the... Uh, the celebration of Purim. Uh, but anyway, Mordecai, and that's what God does with us. He'll send people to bring confirmation about things when we're seeking his will. He'll bring people to just give us uh, words that kind of help guide us. And uh, now, we, even with that, uh, we need to be the ones to make sure that what we're being told is of God right. and lines up that uh, whether you're <laughs> whether it's right for you to be uh, go, go through with being filled with the Holy Spirit, or if you already have the Holy Spirit, or yeah. you know, people can get onto different things of what they think is the right word for you. That you know, they may be well-meaning, but they can still be off. And so it requires us to have like where she still went and fasted about it, yeah, and all. But yet she also had trust in uh, Mordecai from uh, their relationship that she knew that that bore witness with her own spirit. And I kind of like how you said she'd kind of already had this decision made as he starts putting these more harsher. Yeah. Remember this, you know, this is just to to solidify what you've already determined. And I and I don't I never want those like when we see moments of folks in the Bible hesitating, right? Whether it's Esther, whether it's Christ, whether you know, when we see these moments of hesitation, we should not jump to judgment of like, oh well, you know, it's only because Mordecai talked her into it. Yeah, it is because Mordecai talked her, talked her into it. Turns out, having people around you to be accountable to is an important part of yeah. anyone's Christian journey, right? Again, in some ways, Christ models for this for us in the garden. I mean, you know, it is God in God's self that holds Christ accountable, because who else can? Um, yeah. And his friends just suck in that moment, because <laughs> they all pass out. Um, but I don't, don't misread the hesitancy. That's natural. That's something that happens within all of our hearts. The point is, she listens to the right voice. The prayer and fasting works. Uh She comes up with the right plan. That it is not, faith is not always, faith and following after God is not always an absence of fear or an absence of hesitation. Sometimes that hesitation um, is helpful, right? You've been told, go take this deadly risk. You should probably check on that, right? (laughs) You should probably check on that. Uh, You should probably ask the question, God, is this the hill I'm supposed to die on? Or God, is this the hill worth dying on? Because there'll be a thousand fights. And any of us can enter into a thousand fights um, and get killed immediately. And that might be what you're called to do. Or it might not be what you're called to do. But that's where that like, again, listen to Mordecai. Listen to the people. You know, who is your Mordecai, right? Like one of the questions that I think is going to play in the sermon is like, who is your Mordecai? What, what, who are the people you've surrounded yourself with that help you know you are in the right place. You are at the right time. You are the right person. Now find the guts in you and take the action. This reminds me of Moana. I yeah, saw sure. yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. the other night. I love that movie now. And it reminds me of that because Moana is Esther. She's chosen yeah. by the ocean to go and restore the heart to this goddess. And 
Mordecai is the grandma. You know, right. she comes back on the boat and tells her, remembers who you are, sort of thing. And they say, I'm the village crazy lady. I'm the village crazy lady, which <laughs> I chose the right tattoo. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it was so neat how Moana stepped up and followed through and restored the heart to the goddess and peace and beauty came back to the island and hey hey is still eating rocks. I oh shoot, I have a hey hey. <laughs> I have an animatronic hey hey. I love it. Uh, we had a, a, a Moana theme to UM Army and so I have I have ended up with a uh oh, where hey I'll Anyways, I have a hey. I love hey hey. Um, he he's tremendous. Um, Alan Tudyk, by the way, is the voice of hey hey. Um, the guy who yes. played a wash on Firefly. It's just you know, I love that that he, in the I love that he's hey hey, and I love that a uh, Vin Diesel is Groot. Yeah. Right. That Vin yeah. Diesel, in, but Vin Diesel is also Groot in multiple languages. Uh, look up. There's this great video online. Look up Vin Diesel saying I am Groot in various you know. Re- oh no. Nice. Soy Groot. <laughs> It's the best, he has the best role in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, and what's interesting enough, he was given a script where he had the actual lines. Yes. Like what Groot was supposed to be saying. All he could say was, I am Groot. But he actually was given what he was supposed to be meaning so that he could try the inflection to put it in there, which is funny. The one I want is Teenage Groot. I want to know what Teenage Groot was saying because there's the, there's the because you know <laughs> language. One of my favorite char- one of my favorite character tropes in all of movies is what I call the Chewbacca effect, mm-hmm. right? Where like you have you as the audience have no idea um, what their what that character is saying, but everyone else in the movie understands them perfectly. Um, the Ocean's movies does do this with the amazing Yen, right? Yen just speaks in Chinese, and everyone around goes, "Hey, language!" Right or whatever reacts to what Yen is saying oh, and you have no idea I, I love that and hey hey fun, you know hey hey functions that same way right. but no the Moana thing is super apt and even in Moana right there is hesitancy like hesitancy is doesn't take away from a hero's journey mm-hmm. it is a part of part it, of it. Mm-hmm. and especially when if what you're being asked to do sounds crazy it's not that you should never take crazy action for God Lord knows but just like Make sure it's the right crazy action, because God may have something else nuts for you down the road that you are actually in the right place for. Hmm. So that's where prayer and fasting comes in, Ed, because if I do it on my own, I'm going to mess up. Well, that's also where having the right people around you. Right. Right. And understanding, like, who are your Mordecais, right? Like, understanding who is that person slash people in your life that you know are also seeking God, are also... A part, you know, trying to be a part of what God is doing in the world, and when they speak, it's worth listening to, right? It is, it is surrounding yourself. It is also prayer and fasting. It is doing the internal work, mm-hmm. but some of it is laying that groundwork of who are you surrounding yourself with, who are you taking advice from, who was the one sending you letters in a crisis, and do you trust that God might be speaking? That do you believe and trust that God might speak through them? Yeah, uh, we had some recognition of the uh, firefly uh, drop there and then some crying emojis over Walsh. Uh, and then uh, Joe said, I hesitate all the time. Sometimes I feel I need to do something and I inevitably get someone saying, nah, it'll be all right. Don't do that. I learned to always ignore that phrase because if I ignore that feeling, usually something will inevitably happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so sometimes it's like, you just don't dismiss it totally, and there'll be something that comes around that then gives you the confirmation of yeah. what was the right thing. And, and a lot of times with the things of God, that 
you know, it's not a difficult choice if there isn't the naysaying trying to pull you away from it. Right. But also, I think we need... There still is. I mean, there's always going to be an element of bravery, right? There's always going to be that element of finding something within yourself um, to allow you to to propel it. And that thing within you is also the Holy Spirit. That thing within you is also God. That is also part of God at hidden places. Sometimes that hidden place is within your heart, right? That thing you can't see, that feeling you can't always name. You can't separate the story of Esther from the fact that God is working in Mordecai, but that God is also working in Esther. Mm -hmm. And that we need to recognize when the voices from outside us are from God. But we also need to recognize when that feeling that is within us is of God, that fire in your belly, that whatever, right? And and, and Esther, as she, you know, kind of galaxy brains her way um, into this plan that works out flawlessly, um, knowing that that's of God. And that is, I think, back to Brandy's point, that is part of the prayer and fasting as much as anything, Uh is finding that within yourself. For for those of us who are saved, you know, we, we have the Holy Spirit residing within us. And it's learning to recognize the voice of the Spirit crying out to us that inside of us, that bit of the Spirit that is in us will recognize and will give that confirmation to you on the inside, too. It's that Spirit crying to Spirit. Yeah. But it, and and all of the, like, this is where our Christian life, our, our walk with God, is incredibly interconnected. Yeah. Right? That our prayer and worship life, that our seeking Christian community is inseparable from our ability to answer God's call when it arises. Where would the story of Esther be without Mordecai? Where would yeah. the story of Esther be without her knowing how to pray and fast? Uh-huh. Right? That she had that, you know, she walks into this as a good Jewish girl. Um, as a girl who, as a not really a girl, as a young lady yeah. who knew how to seek God and knew how to discern. And that didn't happen in that moment, right? That doesn't happen, you know, this doesn't start in whatever it is, Esther 6, uh, when she makes that commitment that, yeah, I'm going to do this. That came before, yeah. right? That there is this, we always want, we, we love separate buckets and we love this thing over here and this thing over here and this thing over here. And, you know, no, no, I, I'm more on the worship side. Oh, I'm more on the mission side, right? We often talk about the separate committees. There are no separate committees, right? In reality, <laughs> um, or there shouldn't be. Um, we're all on the committees. But we, we often want to say, oh, I find God in service or I find God in worship. But the real answer is we need to live this holistic life. So we're laying the groundwork for ourselves so that we're ready. But that the point of worship and the point of Christian community and the point of all of these things isn't just for us to feel good. That's important. It's really mm-hmm. lovely when people feel good. But that feel good is then supposed to make us ready for action. Right. Right. That this is, you know, all, this church thing we do isn't actually a me- an end unto itself. We are not just here to perpetuate potlucks and fruit-filled jello <laughs> until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet that will also feature fruit-filled jello. <laughs> we are supposed to be, and for us as the three of us as you know, preaching pastors, we are supposed to be equipping our flocks not just to keep showing up to committee meetings, although uh-huh. I have two committee meetings in the next two days. Uh-huh. Um, they are important, but they're not the, they're not the end. This is not a circle. Right. 
Um, this is supposed to be sending people off yeah. into the mission field, ready for whatever that mission may be. And you see all of those pieces, how God works in all of those pieces, come together in Esther. She has that community of God-fearing people that she is ready and has a relationship with, that she's willing, ready and willing to listen when Mordecai says, yo, yo it's you. Go. Mm -hmm. Then she has the spiritual resources to know what she needs to do to get right with God before she sets out in this. That's worship, right? Worship mm -hmm. and prayer. And then she still has the guts and the fire and the motivation to serve God when the moment arises. All of these pieces come together in this way, right? Esther is a super realistic portrait of what it is to be a Christian um, in a world that can be, especially a world that can be largely secular at times. Yeah, any up and kick in. That's why at my church we've got this slogan now that we're going beyond the amen. We're going beyond the, the benediction. We're not stopping on Sunday morning. We're going to be going out into the mission field and making disciples for Christ and bringing, him, bringing them back into the fold and so forth and stuff. And we want to be ready to do that. So we need encouragement. We need to keep ourselves praying. Sure, up. absolutely. You know, we need more Mordecai within our group and all this to keep us encouraged to go out. And get them and keep, and, and keep going for the Lord. But the mission of the church is not to perpetuate the church. Right. Right. The mission of the church is to pre prepare and equip, and, and not just with like pretty words or, or not just with committee assignments, but with like actual fire in their bellies, an actual yeah. community that they can rely on, and a way to regularly understand how to access God in their lives. That's the point. That's what we're doing. Anyways, this is as good a place as anyways yeah. to bring it in for a landing. Um, this happened, you know, th this series is that we're, we're in right now, this um, putting it to the test it series, to the test. is something that is something I'm really passionate about is this is all about translating belief into action. Or when we come up against real world scenarios where our faith is put to the test, Right, where we are in this case, where we are challenged to take risky action for God. Are we ready? Are we going to respond as Esther responds? And my hope is that we have that that ground we have done that groundwork that we can be ready. But that is what this world needs is more people who are ready like Esther to do what God really needs them to do. Anyways, if you have feedback for this show, um, you can uh, post it here on our Facebook page. Um, you can post it over on YouTube, uh, where we our YouTube channel, uh, where we the show also goes up. Uh, you can email me at gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. Uh, you can post a comment on our website, uh, palestinegrace.com slash video. If you need an videos, excuse me, if you need an audio only version of this show, just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice. And we will be back um, in one week's time, admittedly sans costumes, um, for another <laughs> edition of this show. Um, until until that day comes, dun, go dun, in peace dun. to love and serve the Lord, and fear not, no. stay well, God is with us. And now we dance.